0: Welcome to another edition of Hannity, this special edition. We're going to talk to the one and only Senator Cindy Hyde-Smith. How are you doing, Senator Smith? Congratulations on another victory.
1: Hi, y'all. How y'all doing? I'm so glad to be here and thank you for having me on your show, Sean. Well, you know, let's get right down to it. A lot of people counted you out after some remarks that they took a little bit out of context. Did you want to explain or elaborate on those remarks tonight on my show? I absolutely do, Sean. You know, people get so bent out of shape just because I'm talking about being in the front row of the public hanging. I think that you can look at that and put it in its appropriate context by the words alone. I don't have any ill will towards any black people. I think they're great as long as they stay on their side of town. And I I think that I'm going to do a great job for the white Mississippians here. Well, you mean the Mississippians just collectively, right? Well, that's what I said, That We're going to do a great job for the great people of Mississippi, and uh, we're going to make sure that segregation is now, segregation tomorrow, and segregation forever. forever. Um, sounds excellent. Well, uh, do you have any words that you want to say to your opponent? Uh, My opponent, Mr. Espy, I think he ran a very good race. But I think, you know, at the end of the day, it was his race that ran him and my race that ran me. (laughs) And if there was a public hanging, I'd be there. And if we were getting segregated schools back, I'd approve that too. But, I mean, besides all that, he's a great person, you know, for a black person.
0: And there you have it. Uh, so, exclusive interview. As you can see, Senator Hyde Smith is not racist. And we will move on to the new sponsors of the show. Uh, apparently, something brothers-in-law or brothers-in-law or brothers. I, I I can't pronounce this. Anyways, just 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 cue the music. Cue the music. What's going on, everybody? We are back. I hope everybody had a wonderful Thanksgiving break. Uh, But we know that you have been waiting for a new podcast to come out. So glad that we can do it. As always, this is your boy, Jesse McCoy, and I'm here with the world's foremost legal humorist, Sean Carter. How are you doing, man?
2: Good, man. Good. I think I just finally finished the last of the turkey. Okay. Good. Good. A <laughs> little, little bit overdue at this point. Man, I tell you, that's a black thing. All right, white people keep the turkey for six, seven months. All right, <laughs> at least to Christmas. All right, so just, let, let me eat my leftovers.
0: Okay. Okay. Well, you know, our our leftovers were, were done uh literally for breakfast the next morning. That was.
2: That was <laughs> the, no, no. The thing the is, this, though, do you have people over?
0: Uh, so we usually go, I go with my in-laws in New Jersey. Right. And we we tear up,
2: though. I, you know, exactly. That's because you have 745 people there. Right. Everybody, Everybody <laughs> taking, the, taking seven plates home with them. All right. Absolutely. So, yeah, you don't have no leftovers left. Yeah. It was just us. We had a 13-pound turkey. There were only five of us. Like, I don't know how many. How, <laughs> we're going to have to have a lot of meals to get through that turkey.
0: Understandable, man. Understandable. Well, you know, Thanksgiving uh, is the uh, annual celebration that we have. It's a time of family and togetherness and being proud of what you're thankful for. All in remembrance of how land was viciously taken from people uh, <laughs> at the beginning <laughs> of this country. Um, <laughs> the, the little footnote. I they put on that, holiday.
2: Part. You just that. <laughs> Well, I've noticed a lot of people recently been calling it Turkey Day. Okay. I think, I think I'm just going to start calling it Greens Day. Right, just you know, greens and, bl- and Black I P Day,
0: or pre-Christmas.
2: Pre- <laughs> there you go. Pre- <laughs> 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 and maybe that'll be the way to to assuage the guilt here. Um, but you know, by the way, I don't have that much guilt because um, you know we weren't exactly you know do- doing all the 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 the, the, gen- the genocide here as as black oh, folks.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So we, we, received, uh, we, we received requests from time to time from our listeners. And for those who uh, aren't always, already a part of it, make sure that you go to our Facebook page and like it. It is Brothers In Law and it's on Facebook. If you uh, send us a message, we're pretty good about responding to you too. And one of the messages mm-hmm. that we received from a listener, they wanted us to talk a little bit more about slavery and some of its implications. And as we were doing the, the, Pre-show planning, we realize that that is probably a twelve to thirteen uh, hour episode. <laughs> I don't know that's ready for. That.
2: But the the, the, the intro, <laughs> the, the, <laughs> the intro would have been thirteen hours. Um, I mean, yeah, so we're gonna take a little subset of it.
0: We're gonna do a subset, and the subset we feel like is the glue that holds everything together, and that's this concept of negrophobia. So how would you explain negrophobia to the people listening at home?
2: I would explain it as being an excessive, irrational fear of Black people. And to the extent that you compare it to something like arachnophobia, where okay. you, you, know, you have this fear of spiders that goes well beyond any threat they pose. And every spider you see is a, you know, a 12-foot tarantula. Even though it's a little tiny spider, right? You think every spider is poisonous. And I think a lot of times we see literally that effect with with black people where, you know, Tamir Rice to the officers looks like a big grown man with a gun. He's a 12-year-old boy, five feet tall, but he looks six feet tall because the officer has negrophobia, and everything looks bigger and brighter and scarier uh, with black people. And this is, I think, you know, the common theme with so many uh, police shootings is And let's go through the legal standard here. So, Jesse, you know, when we look at the police shootings, what does the officer you know have to demonstrate to to be exonerated?
0: So they have to demonstrate it's kind of a two part analysis. So it has to be right. uh, fear of, of, of some sort of jeopardy to their life. Absolutely. And we have to show what we're supposed to show somehow that, that fear is reasonable.
2: That's, that's not that's supposed to show. Absolutely. So, for instance, an also couldn't go up there and technically he shouldn't be able to say, you know what? I was afraid for my life, all right, because he was, um, you know, I I, I thought that he that he was going to eat my brains, right? right? You know, that's ridiculous, okay? You know, black people, we, we don't eat that part. You don't eat that part of chicken, all right? You know, neck bone, maybe. We're not eating the brains. Right. Um, but you know, the right the problem is is that the fear for black, because of because of Negrophobia, and not just with the officer, but just spread around the entire society, means that most people will look at any situation and say, you know what, i have been afraid of that black person too. Mm-hmm. Right? That is a scary, scary situation. Because in you know, there's a thought that you know black people will just do anything.
0: Right. And and so we have to explore how did we as a society get to the point where this this was such an acceptable thing? This this Negrophobia seems to be prevalent and ubiquitous everywhere. So um we started doing some some conversation in the pre-show. And when we were doing a conversation, we traced this back, of course, to slavery. And this is the part where I'm sure the listeners who don't want to hear this are <laughs> probably to tune us out. But I think it's important. Um so w- when you look at slavery, you look at a time where black people were not considered uh, people, they were considered property. And as part of being property, there was a need for uh, the the person owning them to control them. Uh, And in so doing this created a certain amount of animosity and resentment amongst the people who were being controlled and being uh, deemed to be property. And I think that over the time, over time in in the beginning, Uh, The thought process was, okay. well, if these people who I own don't make it, I can always buy more. Uh, And then they stopped the the inter uh, I'm sorry, the transatlantic slave trade. But a magical thing happened in 1791. And this is called the (laughs) Haitian Revolution. And in the Haitian Revolution, for those who don't know, uh, there was a slave revolt that ended up changing the course of the entire world. Uh, in that the superpower at the time, which was France under Napoleon Bonaparte, was defeated Mm -hmm. by this group of basically free, well, now newly liberated, self-liberated slaves Mm -hmm. uh, on the island of Haiti. And this was a huge news story from 1791 to 1804. It's a huge news story. It goes all around because A, Napoleon has this we're black eye long before Waterloo Napoleon <laughs> looks weak. Uh, on top of that, at this time, slavery was popping. Like everybody has slaves. Right. So the thought process was they would never be able to get unified and organized to be able to overthrow anybody, especially a superpower. And then the revolution happens. So that wasn't the only revolution. You also have many years later, uh Gabriel Prosser's re- uh, revolution, VC, uh Amistad revolution. Uh Nat Turner's rebellion. Thank and yeah. it creates this fear that really came out of a legitimate reason because these people have a reason to to want you dead <laughs> because you you've destroyed their family, you've uprooted their life, uh you forced them to work horrible conditions right. without pay, you beat them, you torture them. Mm-hmm. Stop!
2: Forget
0: the raping. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Certainly. You rape them. You have kids with other people's wives, and then take Thank those you. kids and show favoritism sell them. to them because or of sell them. colorism.
2: Yeah. Or sell them. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah so,
0: they,
2: they deserve to kill it. The thing that's amazing is is that you're on this plantation, right? And there's five white people and 300 black people. And you know that you're outnumbered at all times. And so, yeah, you can imagine that most of the people in the South, right, are absolutely, you know, every day they're sure that tomorrow is going to be the day, right, that black people kill them all. Right. And this
0: is way before Atlanta proper that, you know, now this this was back (laughs) when the the closest white relative or white neighbor may be 20 miles away uh, and they could get to you in a fortnight. By horseback, you know, <laughs> so, so, so you were gonna to have to fend for yourself for a long time. So if your if if your rule wasn't firm and that fist wasn't iron, and and somebody was ready to step up and organize to get you, you were probably gonna get got, and and it happened. <laughs> uh,
2: it happened quite often. And that's the other thing I think we 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 always gloss over when you look at ch- ch- channel slavery. We tend to you know think of. the the black people were very docile, like cattle, I guess, right? Where, you know, but but the truth of the matter is, is that, you know, these mini revolts, we can't even say, you know, there were a number of black people all the time that were trying this. This wasn't like we just thought of this in 2018. And so this is a daily part of their existence is it might not be as big as, but it was four black people, you know, in, you know, at the part of, you know, at at the, you know, Turner's farm uh, that happened to kill a, a field hand. Right. You know, there's always this constant, constant, you know, threat and and small, you know, examples of it. And so you can imagine these people, you know, were were terrified and should be because they deserve to kill him. Um, and, and so, you know, it starts, by, I think, from there.
0: Right. So under under our theory, that's where negrophobia was born. And this becomes the pervasive attitude amongst white people, even white people who aren't slave owners uh, It's because the pervasive attitude because they're trained to believe that now all black people pose a threat um, fast forward to 1915 and you have the first American made movie that gets transmitted all across the world and that movie is called Birth of a Nation Birth of a Nation was so popular that even President Woodrow Wilson played it uh, at the White House uh, and so this is a movie where a lot of people who had never met a black person in life, never seen a black person in life, uh, see vi- graphic, vivid images of really a white person, but wearing blackface, pretending to be a black person and trying to rape everybody on the movie and having to be chased down and basically lynched by, by the KKK to white enjoyment all across the world. Um, and for a lot of people, this was because it was their first interaction with anything remotely related to African American, even though it wasn't. Um, this was something that was embedded in their minds. The thought process was every black man is somehow scheming on a way to rape your black your your white wife or your white daughter or, or whatever the case may be, which only goes to exacerbate the prevalent negrophobia that was already in
2: existence. Absolutely. And there's something that's kind of interesting about this movie is even though it's made in, you know, 1915, it's set around the Civil War and -hmm. particularly, you know, in the context of Reconstruction. So Black people are given their freedom and they lose their minds and start, you know, having the Negro apocalypse. And so there's a natural, you know, link there that the more freedom you give these Black people, right, the more, you know, you're going to, you know, end up being in an eco apocalypse. And, you know, I I love the fact that, you know, this movie's credited for sort of reinvigorating the Klan. Absolutely. So think about it. People saw this movie and said, we need to be more vigilant in this fear of Black people. And so we need to organize, you know, individual Right, you know, even outside of law enforcement, you know, neighbor to neighbor, you know, um, security squads, in which if you know we find a black person who's not where we think he's supposed to be, then um, we need to kill him for all of our protection. And absolutely. by the way, occasionally for for fun and enjoyment, right on a Sunday,
0: right, and postcards to send to the grandkids,
2: absolutely, <laughs> exactly, um, right. But,
0: and this, this plays right into, you know, the policies. And, and this is another thing. So I do want to backtrack a little bit. Um, the, the concept of slavery looks very different depending on the state uh, within the country mm-hmm. that you were in. Good point. So we have this misconceived notion sometimes that slavery is uniform across the board, the same mm-hmm. everywhere. But a lot of times the slavery was based on whatever the industries were in that community. So people in Baltimore, Maryland, who are close to a harbor and doing a lot of stuff with shipping, they're not going to mm-hmm. be doing the same kinds of work that somebody in Alabama in the cotton field
2: is going to be doing.
0: Um, when well, well, you and,
2: tell me back then that it was some black people who could swim, I'm not going to believe it. I'm not going to
0: say that. I'm not going to say that.
2: I, I, <laughs> they won't get in the water. Okay? They won't get in the water. They're just working around the water. Okay. okay. I I'm respect that. that. That's a black pool party. Okay. I get it. All I, right.
0: I would say that the the skill sets that they were forced to learn were vastly different from uh, state to state.
2: all right?
0: <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> right. So you know, we we go into the Jim Crow era, and even Jim Crow laws. A lot of people don't know that. You know, each state was free to set up their own uh, race codes. So mm-hmm. a lot of times, the state governments would not even have uniformity. There were some states where. Uh, miscegenation, what they called it back then, or white and black marriages uh, were frowned upon, but not necessarily illegal. And there were other places where it was wildly illegal. You could die for that. Uh, so, Maybe so, could. Uh, would.
2: No, good and good. Here's the thing that's interesting, though, is you, you talk about that, though, right? So this sort of plays into the negrophobia. The places in which the Jim Crow laws are strongest, most stringent, where the punishments are, are more draconian, are the places that have obviously the most black people right? if you only have seven black people you're not that scared you can let them kind of run free but if you're in like mississippi and half your people are black um then you really they felt they really need to have tight controls that that you know that that that's going to bring about the negro apocalypse
0: absolutely absolutely and and so but it's, you almost it. like- it's almost
2: a little backwards
0: it is. I mean, it's the places where you you primarily brought slaves for the purpose of working in agricultural fields and all that. But now, right. you know, we've progressed. Slavery's over. You're in a Jim Crow era. And what happens, I guess the most fundamental thing from the Jim Crow era is this automatic presumption of, of guilt that is associated with black skin. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so, you know, you hear cases like the Emmett Till case where. Some lady claims that Emmett Till, a child, was whistling at her at a store. They went, tortured, beat, and killed this kid. And now, uh-huh. you know, a million years later, she's like, oh, psych, I was just playing. Um, these things were, were legit fears, basically premised upon the fact that black people recognized this uh, prevalent negrophobia uh, even back then, before we had put a clever scientific term to it.
2: Well, and, 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 and by the way, you know that's a great example of a situation where they're not scared of that little boy, mm-hmm. but what they're scared of is that the next black person is gonna go further. The Absolutely. next black person is not just gonna whistle, he might, you know, pat her on the butt, right? And mm-hmm. then next thing, you know, you got the Negro apocalypse. And so we need to snip this in the bud right now, right? Let these people know, keep them in their place. And wow. so a lot of you know the, the the things we saw, you know, pretty much from that period. We're talking about a period, you know, um, where you know there's an average, well, a, a lynching of a man, woman, or a boy like every three days. We're talking mm-hmm. from like a 95 year period, right, mm-hmm. until like you know the early 50s, because, like I said, a, a latent thing of these people aren't that dangerous to us now. But if we let them get a little bit out of control, right, then they, you know it, it's going to be over and all the premise on this idea that we that somehow black people couldn't wait to to to, to 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 you know to go nuts
0: right right and and what's interesting is it's also brought up uh concerns within the black community because uh during the period of jim crow segregation the black community had to rely on their institutions their churches their universities their schools Uh, And and really the overall sense of community for protection, for sustenance, for employment, uh, for everything. And what would happen is once these these white groups felt emboldened to attack uh, black people, they went on the offensive and decided to go and start destroying black towns, black industries, black businesses uh, just to assert control and to help further uh put put basically put people in what they deem their place to be uh mm-hmm. in fear of you know trying to exercise their regular civil liberties um for for anything and it only created an image in white society that not only should Negrophobia be something that is fought against but you know that there's this this concept of overall dominance that has to be uh reinforced and emphasized every few days or months or whatever, mm-hmm. just to assert that dominance.
2: Yeah, you know, and, you know, it, it's almost, you know, like, you know, this 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 training, you know, that you would do, you know, with animals. You always see people say, you know, don't let the dog eat from the table. Not because whatever will kill him you know, from the table would, would, would kill him, but that you start a trend, right? We even do that with babies, right? Don't let them start doing this because eventually it's going to lead to you know, to that. And it's interesting how, you know, black people are always sort of either, you know, thought of as children or even worse as animals where, you know, you can't give them an inch. Mm. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. So speaking of um, this is probably a really bad segue. Speaking of giving an inch, uh, we, there was a news story uh, this week about a group of people on an island that that refused to give any inch to outsiders who wanted to come (laughs) to the island. Um, And and so this is the uh, Sentinel Islands outside of India. Uh, If you haven't heard the story, there was a white Christian missionary who I guess had made it his life's purpose to try to go to this island to convert the indigenous people of this island to Christianity. And basically, as soon as he got off the boat, they expressed their rejection of his philosophy and his presence <laughs> on their island with an arrow, um,
2: yeah, <laughs> and, and so well, no, um, no, 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 not not one arrow, but, all, right. <laughs> all the arrows, and <laughs> <right. laughs> And here's the thing that that's amazing is, is that I've heard, I don't, I don't know any of these people, you know, there are a group of people, American Christians, who are saying that, you know what, they need to, you know, the Indian government needs to, um, you know, arrest these people and have them tried for murder. And from a legal standpoint, I don't even know if that's possible. Mm-hmm. If this Sentinel Island is a separate sovereign nation, then the laws anywhere else don't apply. If I go to Europe and do something, the U.S. can't charge me because I've broken a U.S. law in Europe, right? That's well, just not how that works. Now I can be charged in Italy, but not right, you know. And so the idea is that if this is not, you know, if if Sentinel Island is is given a sovereign, you know, um, you know, status, then if if, it, if it's a crime to shoot the white missionary there, then I guess they can try them. But I think that that's actually encouraged, right? And, 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 and it's amazing how people, you know, I, I saw some of these people you like, did not have any understanding at all of the threat that this guy posed to him. Because he just had a Bible. What yeah. could that possibly hurt? And then ask the Native Americans if you could find one, what that mm. might hurt.
0: Yeah, I, I want to believe that these people on this island have been active studiers of history. That island may very well be Wakanda. They, they may <laughs> be actively studying history. And they may be asking questions of the world about when you saw a person who looked like this coming, and <laughs>
2: why why would you give in? Why would you just listen? Um, and I don't know if they have CNN or or Wikipedia. Any here's what I, what, what maybe is, is is a better explanation: the fact that they're still here as a sovereign people, right? Right? And, and their original says that they must have done something different than the other people. And the other people were welcoming, come on in. We go cook you a big old turkey, right? And have Thanksgiving dinner with yes. the gruffin, did stuffing and the gravy. And then we'll all be dead in, in 20 years, right? From right. smallpox. Well, these people would say, no, no, no. Don't get off that boat. Matter right. of fact, I know the fact that they're shooting him from the water. Right? He didn't even get to the land. Right. <laughs> they were like, no, no, no. This is how we stayed here, right? Since
0: 2018.
2: Right. and I can't blame them. They're still there.
0: <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, I, it's sad to think about. You know, wait. I hate to hear about anybody losing their life, but out of all the things that tragically happened to people, this this probably isn't one of them. This this is like, why would you even go here? You knew, and, and from everything I've been reading um, in the media, the people are saying that he was describing this as like his mission in life. But nobody invited you. Like, you you knew that this place was. <laughs> somewhere that you weren't wanted. And yet, you know, he just felt called, I guess, to go in and pass judgment. And, and I guess this is the other thing. Um, it brings up an interesting point to me because as a Christian, I feel right. that God is, God can be everywhere. He doesn't necessarily need you to go do anything. He can mm-hmm. be anywhere. So if, if it was something that, you know, who who's to say that this group doesn't already celebrate uh their own kind of religion or maybe they maybe they happen to be Christian too. Maybe they happen to be Christian too. And it's just like, no, we just don't want to be bothered with you. Um and 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 the fact that somebody felt so privileged and entitled to say, No, I'm going to go here. I'm going to give them this gift and I'm going to change their society for the rest of eternity. And the fact that they were looking at him the whole time when he was coming, I'm sure there was a warning shot of some sort. <laughs>
2: well, you know, he had actually been there, tried to go like a few days earlier, and they had shot him up, right? The, you know, the canoe or whatever he was in, and and kind of drove him away. And so he goes back, and he's like, you know, on a video, like, I, you know, they might kill me, but I'm going back. And I'm like, oh, not, no, might. Those person, those fast arrows weren't, were you know, yeah, they weren't warning shots. They were like, you know what, um, you know, we don't play that. That's why we're still here in 2018. Right. Right and why we don't they, they why, why why the Indians don't don't not whether they you know the the uh, why America doesn't have a a football team called the uh, you know the Green Bay Centeles right, right? <laughs> <laughs> because uh, they don't play that right and so you know he, yeah he just was you know and part of it's kind of interesting because you know it almost falls within the, the Christian missionary story right you mm-hmm. go to some place. But here's the bottom line is, if you end up, you know, getting killed here, then I guess that's that was your time. Right. The idea that you know you're gonna round up these people, it's like, no, 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 that's they did their they did what they were supposed to do, you did what you're supposed to do. That's how it worked out.
0: Well, I just want to know who their archery coach is <laughs> and you know what their practice <laughs> regiment. Cause I mean, like, we're you know, we're we're from America, so I guess everything is like uh uh every emphasis is on like guns. And you know when I've heard the story, somebody you know sent me a link and said, "Hey man, there was a missionary that got shot uh, at this un- at this uh, indigenous island outside of India, blah blah blah." And I was like, "Oh man!" And and me being me and being from where I'm from, the first thing I thought was, "Hey man, somebody had an AK, somebody somebody had you know a assault rifle." And and when they was like, "No, it's a bow and arrow," I'm like what? This is 2018. What are these bow and bone arrows made out of? Do they have titanium? <laughs> is it vibranium out there? Like
2: <laughs> no, no, no. And real. from what I could tell, you know, just from a little you know sketchy, sketchy video I've, I've seen, it's not even like you know. Sometimes you look at people in America when you have a bow and arrow, and it almost looks like it's it it's a it's a it's a gun or it's a harp where it's got right. so many strings. And it's got this powerful thing. And a guy is holding it with a shoulder harness and he's got, you know, a helmet on. And this was like, you know, bow and arrow, like, you know, you would make, you know, for, 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 for a, a Thanksgiving pageant. Right? right. And, and, but boy, they are, boy, they're good with those arrows. Uh, <laughs> they don't, they don't, they, they don't play. And I tell you how bad it was that, you know, so this week, um, I, the the authorities in India said, "Okay, look, let us just come to the island to retrieve the body. All right, they still got the body back, so we would like to retrieve the body." And uh, they ran him off with arrows.
0: Hey man, keep that same energy. That's
2: <laughs> I'm all that's, why, that's why they still here in 2018. <laughs> Amen. All right, whatever you need to do to keep being here, because we know what happens if you let them on. All right. Not only, you know, are you all getting <laughs> smallpox, uh, but you also are gonna get uh condos that you can't afford.
0: Right.
2: <laughs> and what I <laughs> they I'll I'll say gonna say, live on own, get gentrified out of their own island, right? So <laughs> do what you need to do, something
0: Well what I'll say is, you know, just in case they do have Wakanda level technology and they are listening to the podcast, please add us on Facebook, brothers and law <laughs> on Facebook. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, <laughs> you you can't the, the shooter who actually wants to call We can make it anonymous. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> we respect the shooter around here. This, this is good. I so
2: <laughs> All right, <cheesy. laughs>
0: So uh but yeah, we're getting back to this topic. We got we got on this and guys, guys I tracked a little because we were talking about this uh, concept of this fear that people project. And I'm 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 almost certain that the reason that this even became newsworthy in the huge news story is because from the grainy video and the pictures, mm-hmm. the people look black. And they look like they dress in primitive attire and that, that primitive attire would be how they usually mischaracterize black people here. So mm-hmm. if we're not in newspapers or comics as some kind of monkey or whatever, then we're some kind of uh, what, a head doctor, Zulu, whatever. Right. Um, and so I'm inclined to believe that, you know, this, I mean, people, I mean, it sounds sad, sad, but people die every day. One guy dying on a remote island that he put himself in that danger shouldn't be an international news
2: story. But no, um, right. it does sort of, you know, feed that narrative. And, you know, it's, it's a popular narrative to, to, to go after.
0: Right. Absolutely. So in in assessing negrophobia, we also came up with a startling conclusion that there is also calcophobia.
2: <laughs> that. Yeah, you know, cocophobia and uh and and keep you know hey, hey. Keep, you know, keep your minds in the gutter. Um, we, we, we're talking about ca- like Caucasian, right? We should probably call it caucophobia. A- um, we're, we're talking about the idea that while, you know, white people are scared of black people, black people are actually scared of white people. But actually, ours shouldn't be called caucophobia, cock- a- uh, because we don't have an irrational fear, right? Our, our fear is like having a fear of rattlesnakes. That's a healthy right. feeling. <laughs> right? <laughs> Rattlesnake phobia is, is is a good thing because the history is is that we are much much more likely um, to you know to suffer violence at the hands of, of, of strange you know white folks. And here's the weird part: is the the it, it, it sort of you know the the, the works in connect in connection with the negro phobia. So Jesse and I were talking about this pre-show that our biggest, our greatest fears, all right? It's big black men are uh, white women and children. And white kids, yes. (laughs) Right? And it's not because we think that they're going to attack us and kill us, but we think that their fear of us is going to cause us bigger problems than we can handle. Right? Absolutely. And so, you know, it always works in connection with. Now, there's some times in which, you know, if you're walking around down a country road and four white boys pull up in a pickup truck, uh, that's a different fear. I mean, that 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 usually, you, you know, that's a fear of 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 you know of evil intent, or you know. But but most of the time, you know, the fear that most black people live with every day is the fear that you're going to inadvertently, right, cause you know, negrophobia to break out and police will come shoot your dad, if you get arrested, no, you know, fired, no good thing is going to happen.
0: Right. And this is what I refer to as fact, fact-based fact fear. Um, so right. even in situations where you may be a Black person with the best intentions, uh, for instance, last week we also had a news story about this uh, Alabama shooting. And there was a, a Black guy who was a soldier who was going in trying to help um, uh, apprehend the actual shooter, his name was Emantic Fitzgerald Bradford Jr., a hero to this country, Uh, went in Mm -hmm. with his gun to help find the active shooter and bring him to justice, and the police arrived. And not only did they shoot and kill the quote-unquote good guy with the gun, who's also a soldier and a hero for America, but then they tried to go on TV and accuse this man of being the mall shooter. And they let that Mm -hmm. fester and and permeate all the media outlets until eventually the next day. I believe they said, "Oops, we're sorry. No, he wasn't the mall shooter." And that was it. Like his life is gone. But we're still
2: (laughs) still not acknowledging and apologizing the fact that you killed an innocent man who's actually trying to be a hero. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, And doing the thing that 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 the NRA. You know, by the way, the NRA is so interesting here because the NRA it really exists and and thrives because of negrophobia. Obama Absolutely. becomes president, and white people go out and buy guns at four times a rate or whatever the thing is. Right? I mean, gun sales skyrocket. Right. And and, and, and it, it, what's the fear here? Right? It, it's negrophobia. And by the way, there's not even a good trope. For you know, had presidential president fear like we never even had that before. But they were like, oh, just in case, let's get all the guns. And, and and here's the thing is, so they've been running around saying that you know the only thing that stops a bad guy with the gun with a good is a good guy with a gun. Right. We have here a good guy with a gun. Are the NRA now protesting, marching? Are they uh, upset, running ads uh, against these people?
0: No, no. Um, the NRA <laughs> has, has decided to. Uh, sit this one out and remain quiet and just let authorities do what they right? you know the same thing they do with Philando Castile. We're just gonna or, let the authorities do what they need to do.
2: Thank you. Or Jamel Robert Robertson. That is a brother of the week before who's killed by the police. He, he he's a he's security guard in it was it Chicago, I believe. Right. And he um you know somebody came in the nightclub and you know, he basically, you know, is able to disarm an armed guy He's on top of them when the police show up. He's got wearing, supposedly, according to witnesses, you know, black clothing that says security on it.
0: Right.
2: And they immediately come in and open fire. They say he didn't respond to commands. I find that hard to believe, right? Right. Because, you know, I I mean, I'm almost wondering, like, you know, what what did they think he was going to do? Throw the guy that he was apprehending onto the cops? Like, how is he going to hurt them, right? (laughs) But the bottom line is, is that, you know, they kill this guy dead and it's the same thing. It's like they come into a situation, see a black man acting in a way that is very similar to what they would want, right, of anyone else. Mm -hmm. And because, you know, he's black, it's now a danger to them. The good guy with a gun, he can't be a good guy with a gun if you're black.
0: And, and the reason that we're harping on this good guy with a gun theory is because some of you may remember after the Parkland shooting, uh, the first thing that uh, your your president got on TV and said was if the teachers had guns or if somebody had a gun, then this shooter wouldn't have been able to get as many people. So now you've got people with training experience and, and who are properly uh, licensed or whatnot to have their, their firearm. And they're rushing into dangerous situations trying to, stop and apprehend the people who are causing the damage and they're getting killed and of course you look to President Trump to stand behind his statements and he's too busy tear gassing migrant
2: children coming into the country so <laughs> and, and, well, no, but let's actually talk about that because that's the interesting thing there as well mm-hmm. you know you see a group of women and children some men um, coming to your country they've walked 2,000 miles I can't imagine if you go that that kind of distance that your shoes aren't kind of worn out that 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 you've got to be pretty ragtag clothes and because they're brown they see them as an invading horde that is dangerous to men in riot gear Mm. holding babies in one arms all right and pamper pamper babies in one arms right in one arm And, and they look at a woman like that and think she's dangerous. Mm. That I means is you know, a version of you know that, that, I guess that, that would be Latino phobia, right? Where where, where if you're not white, then you're, you you know you seem to be dangerous. And mm. here's the thing that's that's interesting is the good guy with a gun, right? The people who are trying, you know, the, these brothers are trying to do you know what 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 white America, the whitest of Americans, our, NRA and, and Trump thinks they should do. And they end up getting killed for it. And I remember about two months before this, and I thought I was at the time being somewhat playful, but there was a story about two um, a young brother who sees a police officer get into an accident. The car is smoking, and mm-hmm. so the young brothers run over and they pull the cop out of the car you know, to save him. And I remember being somewhat playful, but on Facebook posting this post, like somebody need to go whoop their butts. Right, right. <laughs> their parents need to go whoop their butts. And I didn't mean whoop them, but, but, but here's the thing is, I, I said at the time, I feel so horrible that I turned out to be right, the first time I'm trying to be right. They put themselves in so much danger by going to help that cop because if he had you know regained consciousness and control and saw three black guys reach into the car for him, he would have shot them dead. Absolutely. If uh, another cop had arrived on the scene when they were pulling him out of the car, he would have shot them dead. That's what I mean by cacophobia It's not that you're afraid of white people outright, but you're afraid that anything you do is going to cause them to have their, their negrophobia to, to pop up and then you die. Right. And, and so now we got, all- you know, I I, my son told me he was going to be a security guard. No, he's not. <laughs> <I understand. laughs> you know, you know, and, and, you know it's like you know you don't just have fear of you know i don't just i wouldn't have just fear of him you know dealing with a dangerous public but more dangerous the people who come to help right when 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 bad things happen right. and the thing that's amazing is, is that this negrophobia doesn't even make sense because what is the history or the likelihood that a mass shooter is going to be a black man
0: uh outside of the the dc sniper and it's happened
2: a few times it's happened a few times right but certainly more often, right, the 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 profile is some white guy. Yet still, when they come in the mall, the first thing they do is say, oh, my God, black guy, let's shoot. Absolutely. Absolutely. right? And so that's what I mean by negrophobia. It's not that you're afraid. We're all afraid. But it's an irrational fear. It has no basis in reality and facts. It's simply black skin is somehow, you know, scary to you. And the sad part about it is it's not – a rare thing and it's not an issue of animus and the here thing is it's not even just white people. Black people to st- some extent have bought into necrophobia. Remember the mm. jury in the, in the Philando Castillo case involved I think it was two maybe three African Americans who voted to acquit him as well. Mm. Even they saw that situation in which a black man is in a car. Now think about how, how crazy the idea here is. He gets pulled over by the cops. All right. he, he thinks to himself, "I'm going to shoot and kill this cop. By the way, with my wife and, and or my girlfriend and baby in the back seat." But you know, what? that's not that, that, that's not crazy enough. So here's what I'm going to do: I'm going to tell the officer I have a gun. All right. Then I'm going to reach for the gun. Right. Mm-hmm. That was that is the scenario that seemed plausible. To the jury, made up of black people and white people. So when the officer mm-hmm. said, "That's what I was afraid of," those people said, "Yeah, that sounds like a reasonable scenario to me. That sounds like a thing a black person would do—get mm-hmm. into a gunfight with a cop with his with his with his loved ones in the field, right in, in the line of fire." Right. Because that is the kind of thing that, that, that the black—and by the way, we didn't be fun enough to do that. So he's going to tell the cop first, right, to make sure that you know, cop got a good chance to shoot him. What kind of crazy person would do that? But the idea is, well, black people, yeah, it's, it's possible. I can believe that. I can believe black people won't do anything. And even black people bought into it,
0: right? And and that's that's the difficult part because, out of all the things, and we talked about this earlier too, out of all the things that white society has done historically to the black community, if there's anybody who has reason to do something crazy, it would certainly be. Black society, but we have programmed ourselves, our children, our siblings, everybody to play within so many different codes of conduct. So there's the societal and professional code of conduct for what you do when you see white people or when you're around white people. Um, there's the respect code of conduct for what happens among relationships between black people. Like, you talk to me with respect. Don't disrespect like that kind of thing. Um, and, and, and I feel like for, if you're growing up in black society, you're put in this position where so many rules are thrust upon you before you even know the the history or the legacy as to why these rules exist. That it forces you either to simplify and in a lot of cases mute yourself for the purpose of advancement or, or whatever. Or you end up rejecting everything, but then looking like a complete outcast to everybody because you don't play by anybody's rules. Right. Um and those people grow up to be
2: rappers. So <laughs> <laughs> No, no, you're 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 absolutely right. Now, you know, the thing that, that that that's you know disturbing is is that some of the old vestiges, right, of you know, slavery or, you know, Jim Crow era, just this idea of cockophobia. Right. Black people being afraid of the response that white people will have to their blackness means that, for instance, perfect example is the spanking thing. Right. Mm -hmm. The spanking thing and why black people, you know, would spank their kids. Um, you know, obviously everyone did at one point, but black people would be particularly probably, you know, uh, you know, more will be earlier to spank, I guess, and, 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 you know, spank more is because you're trying to protect your children from an even greater punishment from the white man. So uh, you say to the master, I know he, you know, drank, you know, just stole a cookie or whatever. But I, you know, I, I really spanked him good. Don't bring the whip out. And, and and you see that, you know, all through the Jim Crow era, if the punishment for your child whistling at a white woman is death, then you're going to be really, really harsh with any other misstep, right? That could happen, you know, against a white person because you understand the punishment is so is so great. The challenge is, is that you know. As, as, as people, we're probably still doing, you know, doing too much spanking in 2018 oh, yeah. compared I mean, to the threat. Right?
0: Right. Yeah, that, that spanking, that, that's a big, you know, it's almost cultural at this point. That's, that's a big right. aspect of black society. And, and and this is one of the things, I don't know if if, if uh, our white listeners necessarily know this, but um, we we observe you guys with your kids. So when you're at <laughs> the mall, and your kid is having a tantrum and throwing, you know, candy off the shelves and uh, calling you out your name and all this <laughs> stuff. You you might notice a group of black people in the corner giggling and and looking shocked and like maybe one older black mm-hmm. person coming up to you to offer volunteer beating. <laughs> uh, I'm
2: sorry. Oh, oh yeah, don't get so me wrong. Weird. You know, the, 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 yeah, a sister will whoop your kids for you right. and, and for free. <laughs>
0: There are certain things that, you know, like I told you before, we have our code of what to do around black, uh, around white people. And then we have our code of respect and showing out in front of a parent, particularly in a public setting. But at any setting, really, is mm-hmm. certainly a violation of that code for which there will be serious consequences and repercussions. And it, it's something that is so commonplace amongst black society that we look for, you know, even my, I'm, I'm guilty of this too. I look for the Dr. Phil episode <laughs> where the kids are like, no mom, you bitch. Like, <laughs> I look I live for it because I'm priming myself to be ready to impose punishment now that I am a father for if <clears throat> these things happen and I have to make sure they don't. Unfortunately, my kid is an angel. So um, I've never had to worry about that.
2: What? No, no, no I'm ready. But exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and, and here's the sad part is though, and I've I've been you know blessed as well, four, you know four sons and, and and they've never been in trouble a day in their lives. But that's not because I'm a great parent. That's just you know their makeup, right? You know a lot of times you don't have control over mm-hmm. this, and they're just you know really really good kids, just like you know your your, your boy. But the th- the thing that's interesting is though, if my kid were more high strung and more you know likely to be defiant and all that. You know, I would be harsher with that child than probably a white person would be, and for good reason. Because if he's going to be defiant with teachers, then you know what? They don't just, by the way, do detention nowadays. They call in the uh. Well, what do they call that cop in the school? The resources. Oh, the, yeah. resource, the resource, right? Officer. The officer. Yeah. And, and resource officer, by the way, we got video just this week. A resource officer, uh, will whoops my ass. And I don't mean in a good way, right? I mean, you know, resource officer might body slam you. And so, you know, as a, you know, I would be w- worried and, and constantly trying to, you know, instill in him. Now, I wouldn't use violence because, because I've learned, you know, we, we, we've learned that, you know, that's not the way. And by the way, some black people listening to, you, I know you think it worked for you, but I promise you, we got too much information. I was 21st century. Uh, that's not the most effective way to do it. All right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if it was, um, you know, for you know, uh, um, Asian American kids would be running around the mall acting a fool too. right? right. Cause they don't do a lot of spanking either. Mm-hmm. There are other ways to do this. And so I mean, my kids would always be, you know, you know, with n- no Xbox or Xbox. I give them the Xbox and you take the controllers. Right. <laughs> 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 They'd just sit there and watch the intro screen for six hours at a time. Oh. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I would impose some 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 cruel punishments, but they would not be physical, right? <laughs> you know, you know, you know, you know, make them watch, you know, um, you know, some 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 of those old episodes of Nash or something like that. I mean, it'd be bad, but, okay, okay, but, but not violent, and it, would, and it would be the bottom line. is like trying to protect them, not from you know, and it's horrible because our kids don't even get to be kids, at least Absolutely. not in public. Absolutely. Because we're worried about, you know, them end up getting, you know, killed for being kids because, you know, we see what happens when a kid it gets to be a kid and plays with a gun, in, oh, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. a toy gun in a park. Right. And right. and so, you know, it's really kind of sad, but once again, all of that comes down to, you know, negrophobia and then our response to negrophobia, our cockaphobia where we're trying to avoid, right, the former and, 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 you know, and it's, it's really, really kind of sad. Now, we talked about it in the pre-show. We want to end on this is, so for our white listeners, how do you get rid of yours? Because I find it hard to believe that you don't have any. And here's why I know that, because I got a little Negro phobia in me. And I've been black most of my entire life, but I'm going to admit it. Just ain't going to admit it, but I'm going to admit it. Uh, I, I was driving through, um, you know, from, from Chicago, the airport to the, to the North Shore, you know, do some stuff in, in the suburbs there, uh, with white folks. And, uh, the freeway was really backed up. So, uh, Google Maps took me through, uh, the hood to a place I believe called, uh, Cicero, uh, Illinois. Um, and, uh, that's a lot of black people. <laughs> I, I, I ain't seen any black people since, since Compton, and I ain't been a, you know I ain't been in Compton in a while, and uh, and I, I was like a little white lady. I locked my door when I was driving through there, <laughs> <laughs> so I know I got it in me. So I know if you're white person in the suburbs, you got it in you. And so Jesse, give them the the, the one step or the two step formula for how to get rid of the negrophobia.
0: So I think the first thing is I think most negrophobia comes from not actually knowing a black person. And what I mean, mm-hmm. knowing, I'm not just saying like, you know, somebody that you say, hey, Gerald, too, when you're passing <laughs> work at the conference. I mean, like, you know, actually getting to know Gerald. So right. do coffee, do lunch, talk to him, find out, you know, you'd you be shocked. We like a lot of the same things. You like football? <laughs> I like football. You like basketball? I like basketball. We might like the same things. Right. Um, you know, I, I think sometimes what gets lost is, We want to put out the perception of who we think people are, but we don't always acknowledge the people for the content of their character and who they really are. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, we also had this conversation. Uh, I do think you still have to be selective about who it is that you're asking out for these outings because, you know, it's a spectrum. And not everybody is going to be friendly and happy and eager to sit with you and explain these differences between black and white culture. <laughs> some people are, you know, this this can be very powerful and very detrimental stuff for some people, and they don't yeah. want to talk about it.
2: So you know, um, you're, 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 you're you're right, and we talked about before. You know, we, we tend to be a little suspicious, right, uh, uh, white folks. So um, you know, it it it, it, will, it will come through. It will definitely cross the brother's mind. Uh, this is a setup. Right. Oh,
0: oh, oh. And don't do too much. So, (laughs) so, you know, what I mean by that is you don't have to come and speak Ebonics or Java slang. Like, you know, hello, how are you doing? Works just fine. Uh, Definitely don't drop the N
2: word or (laughs) N bomb. We're not there yet. You know, we're not not there. (laughs) And also, I think, you know, we think about this, it's like, you know, Let's say, for instance, you're a white woman, you want to get rid of your necrophobia. Um, you know, it, it might not be the thing you want to do to just find the first brother you can and say, Oh, uh, invite him to your place. Well, that's, <laughs> going, that, that, that's, that might be misunderstood. All right. That, that might not work well for anybody. And, and, and so part of I think it is, it's putting yourself in positions where you have a natural reason to involve yourself with the person, whether you, so for instance, you know, if you, if you're at a church group, all right. You can seek out the people of color there because you've got something in common with them, right? right? Um, you know, you can join groups that are much more multicultural, right? Than um, you know, your local, um, you know, lions club, right? Where right. you're much more likely to run into people. And once you have a common interest, then, then I think you do make a, a, you know, a more concerted effort within that common interest. So, okay. I'm in a bowling league. Let me go make sure I get to know the black people in the bowling league. But you have, you know, a reason to do so, not just like, hey, you're black. Uh, let me go ahead and meet you because that's going to get weird.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. We, we don't want to feel like we're being exploited for our blackness just to add to your affirmative action quota of friendship. <laughs> uh, <laughs>
2: that's, that's right. exactly. now, now, The other thing, though, by the way, I think this is this is, this is a challenge because we all do this is, you know, for, for most people, there, there's, there's you know, different kinds of, of Black people, and we judge that by appearance, right? And, and, and the right. challenge is, is like, you know, Jesse and I are professional brothers, and so, you know, we're going to have hairstyles that look like the parts you're looking for, et cetera. Neither one of us is running around with, with tattoos and, and earrings. It just doesn't work for our, you know, settings. Right. But that brother, by the way, is just as good a father. All right. Just as interested in his kids going to college. Right. Just as interested, by the way, you know, and and, and, that the Bears win the the football game. You know, it's the same person and getting to know that guy who might have some Timberlands on or, 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 or or dreads or, you know, a big old Afro. Right. That you know, I think you know helps break down um, you know the the barriers because it's not just enough to have your exceptional one or two black guys and then have all negrophobia everywhere else. Right. Right. But to try to you know, and, and it's easy once you break the pattern and realize that you know, and the reason for why the way that you know that black people have a, you know somewhat less you know negrophobia and, and white supremacist attitudes is because we know so many black people. Right. So, you know, a thousand black people, you're going to know nine hundred and fifty good black people. Right. You're going you're gonna to know some fools, too, but you're going to know enough black people that you have a, a good basis, right, to understand that, you know, this isn't, you know, something to be afraid of. But if you only but if you don't know any right? <laughs> and you only watch the nightly news or, or you only know two, but they both went to, you know, um, you know, good law schools,
0: mm. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be hard
2: for you to to, to see, you know, Daryl at the car wash.
0: And and I and think
2: not, not wanna rope your window and you know, which by the way is in the car wash, go ahead and rope your window at the car wash. You don't right. want to let that down. But but everywhere else.
0: Well, I, I think, you know, white society I would I would imagine understands that. I'm sure they have, you know, a racist uncle Cletus, married <laughs> his married sister. You know, like I'm sure that it exists and I'm sure that they have people who they, you know, only see during family you know, family holidays. And could care less. Who probably ready to go as soon as they finish. Mm-hmm. The meal. Absolutely. Um We're the same way. Like we have some yeah, right. people we, <laughs> we have some people who, you know, but uh, the, the the big the big deal is within our culture. And within, I'll just use you know my family as an example. You have some people who really are potentially dangerous <laughs> and. <laughs> And, and you'll never know because they'll be nice as pie to you and you would need an insider to tell you, like, be careful, make sure your stuff is still on you, you know, whatever the case may be. And then you have some people who are not dangerous, but they claim to be dangerous. And you'll be definitely afraid of them because, <laughs> oh, my God, he's saying everything that somebody else really lives. Uh, <laughs> now uh, and, and you got sweet, you're, people, you're, sweet, you're ladies,
2: right.
0: sweet old ladies from the church. You know, who, who, they will bake you a pie. They will welcome you with open arms. You got other, you know, people from the church who might cut you to your knees. You, you just. <laughs> it's a well, so you know, definitely get some guidance before you just start going to family functions. And...
2: <laughs> yeah, no, and, and, and you're right. And the idea, by the way, also is that if you have one negative experience. Don't assume that that is, um, uh, you know, the totality of the experiences. Um, you know, you, 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 you're going to run into just like, like, you know, in every, in every family. Um, you know, there, 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 there's a couple. You know, Bobby Joe, Bobby, you know, Billy Frank's, or whatever, um, or you know, uh, that are the idiots, um, <laughs> and we got three or four in, in blackness too, um, and so and, and and so you're gonna you're gonna have that, but I think you know, like I said, you know, being able to to, to have experiences with people who don't look like you helps to sort of break that down. And it doesn't take a whole lot of exceptions right. before you realize right. that you know, I, I could probably get past this.
0: Right. And we're not advocating for you to go out and find somebody to marry and change your life. I mean, that happens great. But we're saying at this point, just associate. And and let me throw this out there, too, because we realized that, you know, when we started this podcast, um, we didn't know what kind of audience was going to be tuning in. And we're glad to see that we have now grown, I believe, to like seventeen hundred. So we are very happy with everyone who listens and everybody who Sends us messages. So if you don't know or you have a doubt, send us a message. You know, what I'm saying? <laughs> send us a message. Let us look at it. Let us get you on the right path. Just make sure you avoid the n word <laughs> at all costs, uh, or saying yeah. anything offensive that'll get you blocked. Because the
2: block. You don't know is- that, that, that 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 is that is true. Matter of fact, I do want to encourage you to do that. Um, every once in a while, I do a do, do a do a series of a uh, dear black elder. Uh, so I will steal your right. your your ideas uh, for for that. In which I, you know, we, we, it's a much shorter format than this. We try to answer some of these questions, uh, and so we definitely want to encourage you to just contact us on on on, on social media, um, and um, and I guess anywhere else, um, that a uh, podcast is sold.
0: Right, <laughs> right, and, and our <laughs> social media plug is brothers in law. That's B R U T H A S, N just the letter N law law so find us on all social media uh facebook is probably what we're most active on send a message let us know and we will get back with you and uh and we will try to help you as much as we can but we also want you to be improving from listening to our podcast and continue to tell people about it tell a friend to tell a friend if you have any radio executives that are looking for an interesting podcast tell them too and for the people who (laughs) um Who you know? I I don't know where we stand with Hennessy right now as far as uh, sponsorship. I'm still checking the mailbox. I'm waiting to see what they're gonna say. <laughs> I haven't gotten any new thing, so I'm moving on from Hennessy. Crown Royal. If you wanna, you know, I, I don't mind Canadian money. If you you want <laughs> some sponsorship, if you know, somebody at Crown Royal, uh, yeah, let let them know, and uh, you know, let's see what we can do to make yeah. this thing blow up.
2: I don't know about you, but I, I don't even care if they, they, they give us money. I just want one of those little bags, right? You know, that's really all I want. Yeah, it'd be
0: nice. I mean, and, I, and I'm and i not, this isn't to say that Ciroc isn't just as delicious of a beverage. And it's, everybody <laughs> 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 knows Puffy as well. Uh, <laughs> that'll be great. <laughs> but we, we've had a, a, an absolute ball doing this podcast and getting to know all of you guys. And we're looking forward to going in with even more exciting topics, more fun things to help you laugh at some of the things that are stressing you out uh, about race relations, particularly given the fact that we have two long years left uh, to to get through. You know, one one step at a time, one day at a time. We're on the path. So, so, so anyways, uh, thank you for listening. And uh, we will be signing off. Thank you so much.